Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Today's guest is Kaylee Gray from GetMessyArt.com. Kaylee is a South African artist living in Germany. We really wanted to have Kaylee on the podcast as her mission is close to our hearts to encourage people to have a regular creative practice. Kaylee has a fascinating story of how she started art journaling as a challenge that she set herself. She then eventually turned that into a full-time business where she teaches others how to journal and most of all, to love the process of creating art. We really hope you enjoy the show. So Kaylee, we really, really appreciate you coming on today to talk to us. And we'd like to know, first of all, where your creative journey began. Um, Did you come from a creative background? Man, I just, I want to say before I get into that, that I love you guys and I love the way you do things and your chemistry together. I'm just so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my uh, my creative background, I did not grow up artistically at all. I mean, looking back, I can definitely see the threads of creativity that were woven through my life. Uh, Of course, they're always there, but uh, back then, no, no. Uh, There were no paths that I saw myself taking that were creative I mean uh, my my dad was he owned a construction company and my mom is a head of a university department and so creativity wasn't prohibited but it wasn't really thought of it was like maybe like an afterthought and so it was only really in 2013 that I finally allowed myself a creative project and that project was scrapbooking and I found like scrapbooking is the gateway drug to art uh, and I did the easiest form of scrapbooking. It was something called Project Life where you put photos into a photo album and you add some paper, super simple. And I did that because I was falling into a depression. We had moved from South Africa to Germany, which is awesome, for my, hus- my husband's work, uh, and it was literally illegal for me to work. Also awesome. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Um, and as I mean, we spent our days and our time visiting new countries. Like it was very, it was good. Things were good, but the problem came in the everyday. And so, like even if we were exploring a new place every single day, I'd still have to wait for my husband to come home from work, and I had nothing to do at at all, which seems so luxurious now. Uh, but <laughs> back then, you know, I told myself, yay, you know, like I can finally do all the things that I've wanted to do, finally have the time for them, um, except I realized that I really didn't have anything. Uh, I I was kind of a passive person and I let life happen to me just because things were okay, you know. Sometimes they'd get bad, I'd go through depression, it was intense, but mostly, you know, things were fun. It was fun. <laughs> And so scrapbooking eased me away from this. It helped me actively look for adventures. It helped me be grateful. It was my very first, very small step into being deliberate in my life. So that was 2013, yeah. Uh, Fast forward to the next year, 2014, 
we had left Germany. I was in a city that I hated. I said, I'd always said I'd never live there. It's, it's one of those cities where you just go, you just make money, you know, that's it. Right. Um, and I hated it, you know, and I felt I could feel my old friend depression calling me back again. And I think sometimes depression is comforting. Sometimes it feels like a warm blanket. Sometimes it feels like a friend and sometimes it's easier, but it's definitely not good. And, and I knew that I didn't want to to be depressed again. I also knew now that I could do creative things. It was really bloody simple. Uh, all you needed to do is create. And so I had purchased a few creative classes. And you know that feeling when you when you buy creative classes, you feel really good about yourself and you feel very creative. <laughs> yeah, you feel you like do. you've done it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like... You're 90% of the way there, right? Except, yeah, yeah obviously it's you can't enough. It's almost enough, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I quickly realized that, that that good feeling was fleeting. And something inside of me wanted to be an artist. Sometimes I felt that if I really, really thought hard about it and I really just consumed my thoughts with it, I'd just be an artist. But obviously that's not how it works. You actually have to do the art step one to be an artist is making the art and it seems silly now looking back at it but you know you're not just gifted with the title of artist no one gives it to you there's no ceremony where Frida Kahlo and Bob Ross put a crown on your head and say (laughs) you are now an artist you do the verb you make the art and and then you're an artist so I started small I started sharing just two art journal spreads a week to my blog. And that was the only requirement that I had. And somehow those two pages per week turned into a lot. Uh, Somehow I didn't want to stop. Somehow I magically kept doing the thing. Uh, And then, you know, people asked to join in the challenge. I realized very quickly that with a group of people, making art was so much better and so much easier to continue when things were tough. and having other people was so very, very needed for me. And I think making art is how I'm deliberate. It's how I'm grateful. It's how I remove myself from my default passive state. And it's how I'm a better person. And so I kind of went from nothing and just letting things happen into something. That's my story. Long ass story. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just ask, you talked about, obviously, your story to get started with journaling. So what exactly is the difference between scrapbooking that you talked about before and journaling? Mm. I've thought about this question a lot because I really like both ways of creating um, and I would really like to combine them, but I haven't been able to do that. I think both of them, it's telling your story. Scrapbooking, it's kind of telling what happened to you. And I feel like for me personally, journaling is, is telling my story and my emotions and what I'm thinking and my thought processes. Okay. So what were the first pages that you made like, and how did they make you feel? Were they a disaster or were they, oh, I'm quite happy with this. <laughs> I'm mad. My first pages were glorious. And I know... <laughs> Like, I feel like they, they definitely lacked any form of artistic finesse. They had zero technical know-how. They didn't make any sense. But I think I was at, at such a stage where it was just like, you know, I had made them. I personally had done the thing. 
I went from nothing to creating like, and then I was able to do it again. And so I was so shocked at myself that I didn't really care what they looked like. And that was a revolution for me um, because, you know, I felt free and I felt calmer in my head. And I think that's still my goal with journaling today uh, is to have that, that freedom. And so, yeah, I mean, there's such beauty in being a beginner. You're, for me personally, I've found that I'm less hard on myself because I knew less back then. Mm. It's like ignorance is bliss type thing, is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's quite a rare thing actually for a beginner to look at their um, their page and think, oh, I'm really, really pleased because most people start off so self-critical and then they can't get past that bit. So they never they never progress because they just give up. So um, I, I think it's great that you just, felt it was more about the process of doing it than what it yeah, looked like yeah. at the end it was the fact you'd done it which is such a healthy way of thinking yeah I mean <laughs> it was not on purpose the healthy way of thinking but I think it's a good way I know I definitely hear that a lot from people new to art journaling that they can't translate what they see in their head onto paper and it's and it's difficult for them and so I think if you put your focus onto the process not the product or the end result that's how you're going to find the magic and that's how you're going to keep doing it and it's going to be a byproduct that you are able to create what you see in your head yeah rather than the goal yeah so for anyone who hasn't tried art journaling can you explain exactly what it is and how you would go about creating the page yeah I mean after six years of doing this for a job, I still struggle answering this question. <laughs> but I think the truth is that it it just comes down to you and what happens when you sit down at a desk in front of a journal. Uh, you have to give up expectations. You just allow the magic to happen. Uh, and I know art journaling means something different to each artist who does it. Some people call it sketchbooking, junk journaling, uh, doodling, straight journaling. But it, it's basically... Art journaling is the act of practice that takes you from dream- dreaming to doing. And so instead of scrolling through Instagram, uh, you take the ideas that you see and, you, and the techniques and you try it yourself and you you actively do it. And I think, yeah, art journaling, it can have loads of words. Uh, it can have zero words. It's It can be used to document life, discover your truth, tell your truth. Uh, process your thoughts, process your emotions. It can it can be all of that, or it can be none of that. <laughs> um, it's it's also often used to practice art techniques, and I think that's where it becomes more of like a sketchbook. That's maybe easier for people to call it in their heads, uh, and and also a way where they can where people can process inspiration. Uh, I think art journaling is creating for the sake of creating, and and it can turn into a gallery, like a piece in a gallery or a book or prints or products. But I mean, that's, that's not the goal. The goal is just to make stuff. And, and that's definitely what helps stop perfection from getting in the middle of it. It is weird, isn't it? That thing with, where some people will just say, oh, they draw in a sketchbook or they create in a sketchbook. And then some people call it journaling. And I just wonder, Mm. is there any boundary, do you think, or is it just how you perceive it? It can be whatever you want. No, there's no like police standing behind <laughs> you going that no, you've passed the limit now. That's now a sketchbook. Go get your sketchbook and do it in there. You know, 
So what what is it then about journaling rather than, say, um, sketching or other kinds of art that most appeals to you? Definitely the, the imperfection. Definitely mm. having imperfection as the point and the object and learning. Uh, I'm a I'm a perfectionist. I think most humans are perfectionist. It's total human quality, human characteristic to hate sucking. We hate being embarrassed, and uh, we definitely hate being embarrassed, like in front of ourselves. You know, we've, our inner critic is very harsh, uh, and I'm also a pedantic, very pedantic person. I like things in a straight line. I like things clean and just so and so. My journal is where I'm actually encouraged to make that mess. And there's my homeboy, Gustav Flaubert, whose name I'm definitely butchering. Uh, he said, mm-hmm. be regular and orderly in your life so that you may be violent and original in your work. And so I think this is art journaling for me is where I'm able to let go, release everything. When it comes to art, I actually think what goes on in, in the sketchbook or journals is is actually tells you more about that person who did it than mm-hmm. a painting ever would. So in a way, I've I kind of feel like real art, if you like, is is the stuff that goes into sketchbooks and journal pages, as opposed to the one that you do on a canvas, which is maybe worthy of being on a gallery wall. Yeah, I like that. I feel like there's definitely like beauty in the story behind something, you know, Mm. like the paintings that we love looking at when we hear about the story behind them, it's just so much more beautiful and being able to understand it a little bit is just, it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. So when you create a journal page, you personally, are you trying to express something specific? Is it it planned or does it just sort of happen as you create? I think for me, it's neither. It's my journal is where I go to work through exactly what I'm trying to say. So most times I come to my journal with an idea in my head and the result is just not, not that. And I think that's definitely where most beginners struggle. Uh, Like I was saying earlier, you know, it's, it's difficult to want to do something and then you do it and it's, and it doesn't look like that. Um, And it's, it's hard to let go of that, but yeah, for me, turning that around and making it, making it like about that and about figuring it out, that that makes it magical for me. So, so you wouldn't start with anything specific. You wouldn't have a picture in your head necessarily. No, not unless I'm wanting to try a technique or I've got supplies that I want to try. Um, I mean, yeah, sometimes, okay, so I've got a a journal. It's a vintage passport that I've altered. And I went into that wanting to explore my heritage and, you know, being an African in Germany and, you know, does that make me a traitor to South Africa? Does it make me a wannabe? Um, so I went into that one with the purpose of, of exploring that. Um, yeah. With that, journal then that was there was a theme to that and I was actually going to ask you next do your journals have have actual themes do you have a theme for each journal or generally speaking apart from that one is it a case of just on every page you just follow what you're feeling yeah so I've I've come to realize that I am very theme driven and (laughs) maybe like 
uh, last year I would have said I definitely do not work in themes, but I do. And looking back, I definitely <laughs> do. Uh, I think for me, it has to be usually, obviously not with the altered passport, um, it's usually a broad theme. So get messy, you know, we run in season. So each month we've got a new topic that we're exploring and they're all very broad, you know, like um, I think this month is more, next month is going to be less. Previously we've done brave, adventure, love. And so while it is a theme uh, that I've always got in my head, it's not necessarily going to be um, for me personally, like, okay, I'm only going to collage in this journal. Mm, yeah. Otherwise, I suppose if, you, if you're thinking like that, you're kind of um, creating a hurdle straight away, aren't you? If you, Yeah, well, you see, I see that as the opposite of a hurdle, which is, it's interesting the, when I've explored it, is I find when I'm, when, I've, when I'm limited, especially in supplies or, yeah, theme, I'm more creative because I'm not right. thinking as much. Right. Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. It's, sometimes there's just so many things you could do. It's very hard to sort of pin yourself down, isn't it? Yeah. So I, and, I, and I'm the opposite, you see, because if I know that I've I've got a sketchbook and this is the only thing I can do in it, um, I'd need to have about five or six on the go with all different themes because I'd need to, if I thought, oh, I've got to collage again today, <laughs> I'd straight away want to do something else. I love I, that. I, yeah, it's like, well, no. <laughs> I love that. I feel like you see, I feel like that's like the two types of creatives, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's those who are just absolutely wild creatives and then maybe those that crave structure in their creativity. Yeah, yeah, Tara, you're you're very you do crave uh, crave structure, don't you? And I'm I'm a complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, but but we're opposite like as in when you paint, you're very structured. Yes. But yeah, but I'm probably the complete opposite. <laughs> I love it. It's interesting, isn't it? I suppose that's what makes art also different, the way yeah. everyone approaches things and, yeah. Now, you were talking before about this perfectionism and you mentioned to me, I think once or twice in emails, you mentioned this phrase, dancing naked in perfection's face. So what, what exactly <laughs> do you mean? <laughs> Nothing to do with stripping. <laughs> uh, that, that phrase, I love it so much. It came from my glorious husband. I was needing, I was a bit down, I was needing a pep talk and he was there for it. And dancing naked in perfection's face is basically just making perfection your bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like perfection, I see you over there, but I don't care. I'm going to do mm. it anyway. I'm going to be imperfect anyway. I can hear you telling me to do things specifically. I can hear you telling me that I'm never going to be good enough, but I don't, I don't care. It's a different meaning, but I've always said that when I um, show a painting, I did an exhibition last year and I likened it to standing naked in the middle of a field surrounded by people because, oh. it, you know, so it's a different thing, a different <laughs> way of looking at it. But, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but um, it's so, it makes you feel bare, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. When you show something that you've done especially like in a sketchbook for, for Tara and I, because ours aren't structured journals so much as you, but when we're just sort of trying things out and experimenting and you, you have to sort of, sometimes we show things we don't particularly, we wouldn't particularly choose to. <laughs> it's like, oh no, yes. just wait for the reactions. 
but it's but, definitely um, like it's when you make art you're being vulnerable and you're being for you yeah. in a gallery sure I mean it's in front of other people that's amazing but you're also vulnerable with yourself yeah very much so yeah, yeah. it's that thing as well isn't it when um perhaps it's not so much for journal, I don't know but when you have a preconceived idea of what you want to create and it's that almost not daring to create it isn't it because mm. what the end result could be which yes. I guess is what journaling gets you over. Yes, it's it's letting it's letting go of that. And hmm, I suppose like you could turn your raw materials, which is your journal, into something and that could be your desired result, you know, then you're able to take it's like creating you first create all the puzzle pieces and then at the end you find what the puzzle is. I think that's journaling. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people listening might think that you need to be able to draw to create a journal page. So what would you say to them? And do you draw in your own journals or, or, or do you just sort of add photos and found materials or is it a kind of bit of everything? Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I am not experienced in drawing. I, I try and I'm not, I'm not bad, you know, I'm happy to get it done. But I think the best thing about art journaling is that you can be really, really bad at the technical things and you can yeah. still make stuff that you love. I, I must admit, some of the um, work I've really loved, I, I went onto YouTube and someone had just done mark making. Mm. And, and that sounds so simple. And yet this person that was doing it was just amazing. And I was just so envious. And there was no drawing involved. It was just simply her knowing how to place things to make it look amazing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you as a, you as an illustrator, like, do you feel like you could let that go if you were to do art journaling, like the need to draw? Uh, I would struggle, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I really would. And I've never, I've I've made mark making to then draw over the top of, but there's always drawing involved mm. for me. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, question. I'm not telling you you can't do it. <laughs> it's just been, yeah. I feel like we all get our, our defaults that we go through. Yeah. So you, you tend to use your own bits and pieces that you find. So I'm interested to know where you find them. Where do you find all yeah. these lovely materials? Because I've been looking through your Instagram page and, oh, it, I have to say as well, it's not just about the journal pages, which are actual art form in themselves. They're beautiful. But also the way that you photograph um this is a skill I wish I had. <laughs> yeah, I have not got this skill. You know, I think sometimes you look at through Instagram pages, don't you? And, you know, when I when you look at mine, I'm just sort of standing in my art studio and, and it's there's mess everywhere and paint everywhere. And your space is absolutely stunning for a start. I, I mean, I'd love a space <laughs> like that. But, but also the way you place your journals to photograph them and it's just all so beautifully designed. It's just gorgeous. But, yeah, I'm interested to know where, where you find those things that you actually sort of lay in your journal to make that page so you know okay I, I grew up in South Africa and South Africa is a very new country it doesn't have history or anything and it definitely doesn't have a lot of supplies so I came to Germany and I was like oh my gosh Amazon hello <laughs> and so <laughs> Most of my stuff that I have is is kept from my life. I throw a lot away, but also, yeah, I definitely keep a lot. I also have a little addiction to a German eBay where you can find vintage ledgers and 
vintage manuscripts and letters written to people in the 1800s and so oh, wow. it's wow it's a bit of a problem actually <laughs> do you worry about when you're ripping stuff like that up yeah do you feel like oh no i'm destroying something diff 100 percent i've but I've got something to combat it with every single sheet of paper that I collect. And I think this is the scrapbooker of me, you know, like wanting to document everything or save everything. Um, mm. But I, I definitely, I scan every single sheet in. I actually, I've started putting it in inside of Get Messy just so that I could share it because it felt stupid to keep it myself. Um, but I do ruin the original recently you do ruin it. I yeah. do, but I scan it in first and I give it love a lot of love <laughs> um but I recently found out there was I collected or I managed to find on German eBay a group of old letters um, and they were written to a woman named Eva okay that's about all I knew about it I read them before I did anything with them I cried a lot about with them <laughs> but uh, one of the Get Messians, Charlotte, actually, she let me know that Eva was the wife of the German diplomat to uh, Ireland in World War Two. So, <laughs> like, it wasn't wow. just, like, random love letters. It was, you know, she was significant in time. So it was good that I had scanned them all in. You wouldn't use that, then, in any way that, um, you wouldn't bring influences from the story that you learned into your journal page. You just use them any way you felt. No, but I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> <That was> amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely going to start doing that now. <laughs> oh, full of weird ideas. I mean, usually I get like nonsense. Like I got um, a collection of paper just from a family and it was, they were nothing special. They were just a family living in Germany. Um, and obviously I cried about going through their papers <laughs> and seeing, you know, like birth certificates and death certificates. Mm. And um, But I really like the idea of following their story. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like you cry a lot through this journaling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the therapy of it. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not actually a crier. Maybe I am. Um, but it just it just like revolves around the fact you know I'm a little South African girl and I somehow managed to land up in Germany and managed to be gifted with these papers like gifted you know I paid a lot for them but <laughs> somehow they got to me and I'm able to look at the beauty of life mm. through paper so how exactly has your style changed from when you first made those you know pages you started off with to where you are now yeah I, I think Style is a big focus for many artists. It totally makes sense. I think a lot of people joining Get Messy ask, how do I find my style? And something that I believe in is the fact that our style is already there. And there's it not anything that we can really do about it um, because the foundation of our style is who we are. And so our background, our culture, you know, where, where we grew up, who we spent time with, who we currently spend time consuming online our preferences um our access to supplies like all of that contributes to your style and forms the foundation and and so i think 
my advice to anyone wanting to find their style is to keep following what your heart is telling you and to do it a lot. And that's what, that's what I've done. If I, if I look at my very first art journal, I can see the same threads running through it as they are now. And those threads are belonging, heritage, identity. Uh, And, you know, I chose to leave the country I was born in and gifted with. And so these will always be my themes and whatever my style ends up being like what, what the end refinement of my style, these will still be my themes. I have, I have no doubt. And I think my style from an, from an outsider's perfect uh, perspective over the years and over the literal hundreds of art journals I've completed has just, it's just refined itself. I think practically, you know, I've had access to more supplies now. Like I've said, I've added uh, authentic vintage paper to my work, uh, you know, compared to when I was in a third world country. But my favorites are still the things that I've used as a second choice uh, when I was in South Africa just because I couldn't find them. And so, you know, even back then I was – if I couldn't get my hands on it, I was printing it out or making substitutes. Uh, and I don't know, have you seen that? There's that picture with Picasso's style development. It's got like no, his, no. oh, I'll send it to you. But it's got, or you person listening, you can just Google it. It's one of my favorites. It's got uh, his a portrait of himself in the beginning of his, or not the beginning of his journey, his artistic journey, but long before his cubism right and then obviously one of his self-portraits with with cubism and the first one is it's just like a standard it's he's it's incredible the picture but it's not Picasso right and it's not how we know him and I just love knowing that he wasn't born doing cubism he had to do all the work before and he had to do he had to be regular and normal, but it was still, his style was still in him. And I think I love it so much because it it means that there's hope for the rest of us and that art isn't something you're born with. Um, I think that it, it is scary, this letting go and allowing your style to happen on its own. But it's also great to think that it's, it's also something we can decide on this, this letting go. And, we can kind of decide um, where our style will go. So, you know, like we we make the decision to start using watercolors and that's a decision, but your base will always be there and it'll just change a little bit. You'll always be able to see your style, basically what I'm yeah. saying. Well, well. well me, me and Sandra have had a lot of discussions about style because we have different ideas on it. And it is mm-hmm. that there is one thing like you're saying, isn't there, where – um it's inherent to you but then you can definitely like you say you can definitely make decisions to push things certain ways can't mm. you well, yeah i mean you've proved that tara yourself yeah. in, your, in your challenge you did haven't you so yeah moving on to your family life you've you've got a toddler right yes. am i right in saying that okay yep. so my daughter she's got a six-year-old and a nine-month-old and i can just imagine her response if i said to her why don't you start journaling <laughs> I I just I can just imagine so 
I want to know how do you find the time to balance your um, creativity with your family life and run a business and how that's changed since having a child? Because, I mean, obviously I've had children and I remember it well how uh, time-consuming and hard it Mm. can be. And uh, back then I was sort of creative a little bit, but it was more drawing, painting murals on their walls and things. It was doing things with them rather than for me. So I'm interested, what's your secret? What's your, (laughs) what's, how do you, how do you manage your time? Oh, oh, you might, you might be disappointed in calling it a secret, but yeah, let me talk about it and then you can decide (laughs) if it's it's like a hack or... (laughs) (laughs) um in the past year and a half um i've i've really made massive strides towards balance and i know that people say that true balance doesn't exist but i i don't know i've i think it is possible if you if you alter your definition of it a little bit so for me balance is compartmentalizing uh of course you know as we're multifaceted I'm not going to be able to have uh, an equal 33.33% family, 33% business, 33% creating every day um, forever. You know, those numbers will ebb and flow. Some days it'll be 80% business and then the other ones fit in. Uh, For me, balance uh, that I strive for is being present wherever I am. So, when I'm at work, I play lo-fi hip-hop. I dedicate myself to the task at hand. Um, I lead myself with my heart. And then when I'm at home, I'm not checking email. I'm not planning things that are work-related. I, I'm present. And I think when <laughs> your daughter with a nine-month-old, <laughs> when I became a mother, everything went to shit for me, honestly. We were... <laughs> We were completely alone in the country. My kid was not sleeping. He had stomach issues and it was tough. Like it was really tough. And I felt like I had lost myself. I mourned the loss of my artist self. And I think now looking back, it feels like I was probably being dramatic, but it doesn't mean that I didn't feel it back then. I think looking back, you know, with 2020 vision, I know that we go through seasons in life and things pass and good things pass and bad things pass too. And so gradually after having my kid, I was able to bring art back. So I definitely went through a stage. I mean, it felt like forever, but it was probably a few weeks where I didn't make anything. And then, you know, I would just put my freaking moleskin on the breastfeeding pillow. And while my son was nursing, I would draw. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> were you ever tempted to just draw a moustache on his face <laughs> oh I did yeah and eyebrows 100% <laughs> no he definitely I've got lots of photos of him with eyebrows <laughs> you do oh, what so you funny. you do what you do what you need for your humor right don't <laughs> <laughs> tell anybody <laughs> Yeah, no, I think like now as a more mature mama, I mean, my, my son's three now, so I don't know anything, but I know more than back then. Yeah. And I know that now know that having less time actually makes me better in each area of my life. 
it helps me to be able to define more precisely what I want and then, you know, go after those things. And, you know, we were talking about uh, my idea that style is who you are. And so when you're not making art, you're still building that up and you're still building who you are as an artist up. Um, I think at the end, I was at the end of last year, there was like a bit of serendipity where a few people in Get Messy, just like we were all going through the same thing and the same ideas. I think Serena had created a page that said the, the stages of growth include dormancy um, then in the same week, another Messian, Kristen, said on her podcast something about uh, forward is not the only way to grow. Um, and then Vanessa m- mentioned the beauty in a fallow period. So, you know, a time of rest so the artist can replenish itself. Uh, and there were just like a whole bunch of people. And oh, yeah, Katie also brought up a book called The Four Arguments, which talks about the difference between perfect and best. So we we're all like thinking about the fact you don't need to keep going, 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 and you don't need to do all the things in order to be doing things. You can have small things. You can have rest. You're allowed to breathe out. And while this this might not be a secret, uh, it definitely felt like I had unlocked something there in me, and and that idea hit me hard. You know, my parents are seriously accomplished, and so I I don't know learning that I didn't need to be hustle, 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 go, 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 hit me hard, especially when I was forced not to hustle. So I don't know. I think I think people who have a full life, whether whether that's motherhood, whether it's a fulfilling job, an exercise regime, a library of books, I think, you know, motherhood, it really stops us in our tracks and we've got no no other options except to devote most of our time to our child. I think that people who have this full life make the best kinds of artists because you make it fit in your life. And that, you know, that's the messy artist movement. It's aimed at getting art to fit in your life, to have it revolve around you and your desires and your needs rather than clearing space for it and, and finding time rather than learning how to be a tortured artist who lives alone and spends like 18 hours creating, you know, being messy fits, fits it in where you have space. Uh, And I I think, you know, art is like the cherry on the icing on the cupcake of life. And, and I think that's how I do it is just make sure that when I am doing it, I don't necessarily have to have five hours of creating, but if I've got, five minutes. I know Rosie, again, Messian, um, all my friends are Messians, <laughs> but Rosie <laughs> uses the time on her microwave. Like she keeps her journal next to her microwave. And so she just journals during the timer, which is insane. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you just fit it where there's space and, and it doesn't need to be a lot. It can be 30 seconds or two minutes while the microwave waits. I actually think as well it's it's quite important as somebody who is a creative to have a lot going on outside of it mm. because it's what feeds you your inspiration without even knowing it, doesn't it? If you don't go anywhere and see anyone um, hardly ever and you're just spending time in your studio, create, 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 where's it coming from? 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think that's where it's quite important to actually sometimes think, okay, I'm busy. I've got to do this today. I've got to go here today. But actually, rather than think of those as chores that you have to do, try and, you know, think of them as feeding your creativity. Yeah, yeah, Mm. unwittingly, without even knowing it, you are, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. I mean, I've spoken before about silly things like um, I remember once just walking out the back door, uh, with a dog and taking him for a walk down the woods. But on the way out in the recycle bin, I did think, oh, I've got to, I've got to take all these bottles out to the bin. And there was this um, recycle basket and it was full of green bottles. And where it had rained in the night, they were all covered in these droplets of water. And that, just that, just that one little tiny thing that I saw that day was an inspiration towards um, a painting and I haven't done it yet (laughs) and it was about four years ago but it's always it's in my head that you know these little things that you pick up around you and you see are things that you will can one day be the things that inspire some of your creativity so it's actually a good thing sometimes I think to be busy oh I freaking love that I love it you're literally turning rubbish into art <laughs> it doesn't have to be done straight away, but all these little mm. things, I think they just collect, don't they? And and I do as well think that a lot of people try and find their inspiration, and they the word try is is perhaps the where I think some people go wrong. I think inspiration can come when you're not looking for it, and not especially not on the internet. I think it, okay, mm. it's great to look at things on online and look at Instagram but I think it's more important to look at things in real life and things actually around you rather than looking for inspiration through someone else's art because you know because it's kind of it's not authentic then oh so much this and I mean that's also like where you're going to get the magic because you know I didn't see those (laughs) I don't I don't look at a pile of trash and go wow look at the droplets (laughs) like you know only you have had that experience which means that when you when you paint it it's you it's like it's authentic it's real there's no one else that could do that so what's the moral then we've got to make sure we do recycling more or something (laughs) (laughs) look around you look around you And, and another thing as well I mean just walking as I say walking the dog I've always said Tara haven't I there is so much going on now around us that we almost feel a little bit lost if something isn't going on so Mm. we're on our screen such a lot aren't we if it's not the tv in the evening it's instagram it's facebook it's messaging um it's emailing I mean who only knows what happens to uh, handwritten letters these days I used to love getting letters I've got boxes and boxes and but you don't get them now mm. and we have so much time on screens and I know that when I walk the dog I used to um, listen to podcasts or use that time to call people and chat to them on my dog walk and then one day I forgot my phone and I left it behind and I spent my walk with the dog in complete silence, which was really alien at first because I was thinking, oh, no, I've, I've left my phone at home. What am I going to do? And it was amazing the things that I noticed that I would not have noticed on that dog walk. I saw the deer. Um, I, I, I heard things that I hadn't heard before. I was looking up. I was looking around. I was really taking in the experience. And 
that's something that wouldn't have happened had I have had my phone. So now I make a conscious effort to embrace silence sometimes. And that's sometimes mm. I think when creative thinking can filter in where it wouldn't normally. Yeah, that's why Would we you... get such good ideas in the shower, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't check your phone in the shower. No, exactly. Yeah. So I just want to know if you're someone wants to get started with art journaling, what tips would you give them? Like what materials would you recommend as a starting point? Mm, I've got a super boring tip, but just to start, um, everyone says that. So a more helpful tip is set a timer for five minutes. I mean, we've all got five minutes. You've definitely got five minutes. Turn your phone off, sit in a quiet place, wake up earlier if necessary for those five minutes, unless you've got a newborn then sleep those five minutes. (laughs) But, um, I mean, you can keep reading about doing the thing that you want to do. You can continue making plans. You know, we humans love plans. We love preparation. But in the end, you've just got to get messy. you just got to do it. Uh, And if you're you're stuck with exactly what to make, what to put on the page, I – Last year, I teamed up with two other prolific art journalists, uh, Vanessa Oliver Lloyd and Amy Miracle. I'm just, I'm forgetting their names because Vanessa, I've been calling Dance Mon Crane, which is her Instagram username, and it's not even pronounced right, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, I partnered up with them and I and we made a, a class called How to Start Art Journaling. And that that class takes you from zero to hero it gives you exactly what you need you know sometimes we just need people to tell us what to do and then and then the barriers and all of that go away Uh, and and that class is totally free so there's not really any excuses Uh, is that on your website getmessy.com yeah um you can go to getmessyart.com slash kick made it just for you guys Thank you. (laughs) So do you think that some people are just born with artistic talent or do you think that anybody can learn to journal or draw? I think there's no such thing as artistic talent. I think there's only showing up. I Um, agree. And I've actually, okay, one of my favorite people, I like like using other people's words because, you know, sometimes they're able to articulate it a lot better than I am. And these words were said by Michelangelo. If you ever had to come up with the embodiment of being blessed with the gift of art by the gods, it's probably Michelangelo. And uh, he said, if people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful at all. That's so true, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned a few times about um, your get messy Mm. um art site now tell us a little bit more about it. it's a membership site isn't it yes so what happens at get messy <laughs> okay so get, get messy was created she, she was created by herself you know I, I told you my my journey with journaling that I started sharing online and then people wanted to join so get messy kind of came from that and my art journaling journey is so interwoven with get messy's um but yeah, GMC is a membership site. We've got a bunch of classes. Um, and so it's got all the techniques that you can learn, but it's also the secret source. The magic part of that is the connection and is all the the people that are working towards the same thing as you. Um, so fun story. I hate get, getting messy. Like 
I hate dirt on my hands. I like things neat. I like things orderly. Uh, as a child, I hated the sandpit. I hated finger painting. I did not like running around. I was very, I just sat uh, very still, you know. And even now as an adult, I've got this weird thing where I, I can't touch my hands when they're wet. Um, what? It's weird. It, it makes me I, like... It, yeah. I can't bear having dirty hands. I hate yeah, that. Yeah, right. I don't use charcoal anymore. I just can't bear it. I love my fingers. I don't like it. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. So, like, me as a person, I'm very pedantic. I'm very specific. I'm very exact. It's in my blood, you know. And and so, get messy is a rallying cry. It's it's an encouragement to purposefully and actively go make a mess. To be imperfect on purpose. To leave perfection at the gate. <laughs> to dance naked in perfection's face. Uh, and the first value of being a messy artist is the mess. And, and it means that we grow through play, we learn through practice, and creation comes from embracing the beauty of the messy middle. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I've seen pictures of your studio, and it is absolutely <laughs> immaculate, and I am so jealous. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Even, I've waited long I'm, for it. Yeah, it, even when I um, I my I clean my studio, and I'm a bit. I I think I'm very. Well, Tara, you think I'm OCD, don't you? Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'll post a picture of my studio that I think's messy and I'll get messages saying, where? Where's the mess? But I think it's really messy. But your space, is it a converted garage or something? Because it seems that the whole space is specifically for your... Mm. your no, um... it, this place makes me feel very happy and, and very yeah. grateful and oh, all the feelings. So it's it's super hipster. It's in an old slaughterhouse. Oh and, my goodness. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what they've done is like it was like an architectural thing that they did where they used old shipping containers. Ah. Oh, and cool. everyone here, all the offices are it's a creative incubator, which is very exciting okay. to me. And it I makes me feel very legit. Your, yeah, I thought it would be part of your house or something. Um mm -hmm. where you your studio. So I wish I had a house that looked like this. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, um, what, what do you find are the biggest things that your Get Messy members need help with? I'm wondering if the answer might be hand lettering because you do some amazing <laughs> calligraphy. I love that kind of writing. And I think if I was a member, that's where I would struggle with the beautiful handwriting <laughs> as opposed to my normal chicken scroll. <laughs> Well, you don't need beautiful handwriting. It's so funny. I'm, I'm always asked about the hand lettering. I'm actually working on a course for that now for Get Messy. Um, so we haven't, I haven't delved into it directly, but I am currently because people keep asking. So I'm busy doing that. Um, but yeah, you asked uh, what the, what members usually need help with. Yeah. I think they, there's six reasons why people join Get Messy. Uh, reason one, you're craving creativity so you know you've got a busy mind you've got visions of things you'd love to bring to life but there's something standing in the way of making your art reality uh reason two is you want to be more consistent so you've made a few pieces of art you've made a few things but you want more than just a few pieces of amazing art you want pages uh packed in albums all with the inner musings of your mind Reason 
three is that you're done with perfectionism. And I mean, we've been speaking about it a lot. This is like, this is my jam is like going against perfectionism. So it's in GMS, you know, art and life, it's not perfect. And, and anyone who's done striving to be and do more when what you really want to embrace is the messy middle and knowing you're enough, you know, that kind of person would tends to join GMSE. Um Reason four is you want to, is you want to create art for art's sake, not to win awards, not to make money, not to prove your parents wrong. You just want to make art because there's joyfulness and, and sincerity that creating art brings. Reason five is you want to grow as an artist, whether it's because you're feeling stuck or out of creative luck. The idea of exploring, experimenting, and learning from expert artists thrills you. Uh, reason six is that you're tired of being a lone wolf. And and I think this is like one of the big reasons. If it's not the main reason, it's usually it's usually like the icing on the cake is is having a community of creatives waiting to connect with you, um, having a group of people there that are cheering you on, that are very freely giving your knowledge and and an ear to listen to your problems, giving you our time, all of that. Um, and, you know, Gamesi's whole thing is that that um, idea of it's it's an African, a South African concept called Ubuntu. And that means I am because you are. And it's the whole idea that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And so there's a very specific type of beauty that happens with art when you add a community to it. But there's also like a beautiful thing that happens when you add art to community. You know, I mean, you guys know with your friendship, the fact that you're connected through art as well is just, I don't know, it it makes it another level. It's something, isn't it, where not many people are very creative. A lot of people don't realise they're creative. So when you are a creative, finding a friend who has that same sort of side of them it can be quite difficult for some people and I think that's where the art community is great is um, these groups are a great place to join I say as well also that if you're with someone who likes doing the same thing as you you don't have to constantly talk although me and Sandra do <laughs> but <laughs> what I mean is you can just sit and be you can be together and do that thing can't you yeah yeah it's yeah, great I- like being with people and like you know creatives tend to always be doodling on something or like while they're listening they're drawing something and then these are people that understand that it's not rude to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. Mm. So, so what are your plans for the future? Yeah, my mission is simple. Uh, I'm going to empower ten thousand amazing real life humans, just like, just like you guys, people listening to this podcast right now, into a regular creative practice. That's my goal. That sounds really simple. <laughs> really simple. I just want other people to create consistently. <laughs> so where can people find out more about you and the Get Messy mm-hmm. project? They can go to getmessyart.com slash kick. Uh, and that's that course that I was telling you about, totally free, can start. I mean, even if you're if you're not a beginner, it's also really nice going to that. It's not beginner techniques that are necessarily a taught just a way of thinking uh, and then 
my favorite is Instagram. So we're at Get Messy Art Journal. That's a whole bunch of inspiration uh, of art journals and just beautiful things to look at. Or my personal income is Kaylee Gray. Thank you so much for Kaylee for coming on the show. It's been it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it was really all wonderful. <laughs> it has, and it was you... a great and it was a great way to start my birthday. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We should have started with that. The fact you know, just like, hey, everyone, it's a it's a very special birthday today. <laughs> oh well, we've ended it on it. So yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks again. We really appreciate you coming on. Oh man, you're a delight. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. 